So why don't, we, uh, why don't we pray as we begin this morning? Heavenly Father, we just ask you to be present here in such a way that we understand the Word of God, that we are challenged to walk with you. I pray, Father, that uh, whatever the needs are here, knowing that they're very multifaceted, and there's no way that any person could meet all the different needs in this room, but you are able to. And we ask you to do that, to speak to people's hearts and help us to understand about what it means to pray in the Spirit, as that will be our topic. And we pray that you would help us to understand it and then apply it, that that would actually be our experience, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we're in a series um, really out of Ephesians chapter 6. We've been going through uh, 10 through 20. And we've been looking at spiritual warfare for quite a few, uh, quite a bit now. Uh, it kind of began back in September and it's just kind of run through this fall. So spiritual warfare has been our theme. We're coming to the very end of, of chapter uh, 6 uh, of verses 10 to 20. And I, I want to do one more and then, then we'll be done. Um, I'll be gone next week. I have a son that's getting married, so we'll be in Nashville for our son's wedding, which we're pretty pumped about. And, uh, and then Cesar Brito will be preaching here next week, so that'll be a great treat. And I always hate to invite someone because that usually means I'm going to be gone. Uh, and I would love to be here uh, for Cesar and Nancy and uh, Thomas Jose, um, their little... Their little boy, who was so precious. So um, today, I want to talk about praying in the spirit. Uh, how many walls would come down if we knew how to pray more effectively? How much would the work of God progress before our very eyes if we knew what it was to pray with greater power? What miracles might we see? What conversation, uh, conversions might we witness? You know those people, you, you ever met someone and you say that person's a hard nut to crack? <laughs> um, we say that spiritually. I, I wonder what people might be converted uh, as a result of more powerful and effective prayer. Um, what kind of threat would we be to the kingdom of darkness if we knew how to lay hold of the weapon of praying in the Spirit? I think we can say that we read our Bibles. I think everyone here believes that prayer is powerful. I think we would also agree that we would like to experience more of that. And we do not believe that we've arrived as a church. So if you've arrived, if you're here today and you're kind of new with us, we don't think that we've arrived. As a matter of fact, sometimes we get excited if all we do is arrive. <laughs> um, recognizing day by day by day we face um, spiritual struggles and challenges. And so this whole topic is super fascinating about praying in the Spirit. Uh, I'm not sure, and I'll talk to you a little bit more about the question might be, well, what other kind of prayer is there? So we're going to take a look at that. In, in James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. That's what God says. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, he wasn't any different than you or me. Um, 
there wasn't something in his DNA. There wasn't something in um, his intellect. Elijah was a man like us. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Uh, have any of y'all ever tried that? Um, see if you could stop the rain for three and a half years. Um, well, Elijah did that and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed for the rain to come and it rained. I, I would say that's pretty powerful. Like it or not, we are involved in a spiritual battle that rages for the control of this world. God and Satan are the two great superpowers who are fighting for every square inch of the world. Um, but it's not equal, okay? It's not like they're equals. They're the two great superpowers, that's true. But it's not even close to... Satan is no match for God. It's, it's a joke, basically, um, that he would take God on. And it's not going real well and it's not going to end well for him. So it is a fight where winner takes all. I think it's important that you understand that. In this fight, in the spiritual war, winner takes all. You're, either, you're going to either lose everything or gain everything. It's that, that significant. It is a fight that began even before the days of the first two human beings, Adam and Eve. And Lucifer, the angel, rose up in revolt against God and started the great rebellion. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is putting down the great rebellion. Jesus has already won the day by His victory over death and the crucifixion and resurrection. And yet the battle rages by the will of God until the elect, all the elect of God are saved from sin and death. So the battle's raging until the last person that is going to be saved is saved. It's like, well, we don't know who, who that is, but we do know that to be true. It, it is raging until the last person comes in. And we don't know exactly when or who, um, but that's what's going on. And when that last person is saved, that'll be the end. When God completes the salvation mission, then Jesus will come in the clouds with glory for the final battle. And during these last days, and the scripture says that we're in these last days, the battle will intensify and we are exhorted in Ephesians 6 to be strong in the Lord and put on the whole armor of God, which includes belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, feet of readiness or shoes of readiness with the gospel, sword of the spirit, um, and the praying in the Spirit. And that's where we are. We've gone through all these others, and we're now at this one, praying in the Spirit. So what is this praying in the Spirit? So I just want to say this to begin with. I said it last week. Um, praying in the Spirit could be praying in tongues, a prayer language, but it's not exclusively that. And that's a whole other discussion. Um, but I do want you to understand that. Um, I don't believe that that's unbiblical. We have people in our church that have prayer language and they pray in the Spirit. But they're not the only ones who can pray in the Spirit. That's the point. Every Christian can pray in the Spirit. And if God gives you that gift, then that's wonderful. Um, but every Christian can pray in the Spirit. And that's what I'm aiming at because I, want, I believe every Christian can wear all these different seven pieces. I say seven because I include 
prayer in the Spirit as, a, as, a, as another very unique thing, weapon. If we don't take, we can have all the other things going on and if we don't take this up, then all the other pieces of equipment and armor are useless. They'll be used in the wrong way. And they won't have the effect and the impact for which they are designed. And people will stumble and fall and there'll be casualties because people are out there trying to use the equipment given to them by God, but they're not being directed and guided and led and filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's kind of like this last thing is the key that makes everything operate as it should. So it's very important that you understand that when I talk about praying in the Spirit, I'm, I'm not talking about tongues this morning. I'm talking about something that every Christian needs to do. Every Christian needs to understand praying in the Spirit. So in, in Ephesians chapter 6, 18, it says that we are to be praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, praying all the time in the Holy Spirit with all prayer and supplication, prayer, interceding, crying out to God, um, with supplication, like making petitions. A supplication means a particular request, bringing our request to God in the Spirit. So something happens to us when we're in the Spirit of God that we begin to commune with God and talk with God and we're, we're bringing our petitions and requests, specific requests, and God fills us with a knowledge and a mind of information and says, pray this. You ever felt the Spirit prompting you to pray? Have you ever been somewhere and you're like going, you felt the urge to pray? You ever been awakened in the middle of the night and you think of someone to pray for? You're ever driving down the road and you see someone and just lay, God lays on your heart, pray for that person. Or a, a, you hear a siren and the, like, pray for those people. Or you hear the helicopter mama fly over and you go, Lord, I, something's happening. Pray for whoever it is. There's been a a bad situation, would you intervene and bring glory somehow out of a car wreck or a heart attack or something and you just begin to pray and that's the Spirit of God prompting you to pray and there's nothing more powerful than Spirit-led prayers, Spirit-initiated and then Spirit-guided um, prayers and that's what we want. Praying in the Spirit is different from praying in the flesh. Praying in the flesh means praying in your own power for your own desires. And what good is that? I've done way too much of that. I don't want that. It doesn't help anybody or help anything. Praying in the flesh means praying in the natural or the lower realm. Fleshly prayers do not break out of the lower realm, the natural realm, and reach heaven, the supernatural realm. Fleshly prayers don't do anything. They're like having a conversation with a chair. It's like, what good is that? I'm going to talk to the chair about fixing my problems. And then, who knows, maybe the leg will break and it'll just show you how worthless that is. There is this lower level of prayer going on and it doesn't bust the ceiling. It doesn't reach heaven. It's natural, fleshly prayers that only deal with a fleshly realm. And there, there really aren't any good. People of every religion pray, but it's not doing anything. And that is the point. These are worldly prayers of worldly people who wrongly think that if they just say prayers and are sincere, then God will be so happy that He will reward their efforts and come to their rescue. But that is not true. God doesn't like those kinds of prayers. He doesn't like people who pray worldly prayers without the Holy Spirit of God, with no interest in the kingdom of God. He doesn't count that to be 
a conversation that he's going to partake in. Okay, so non-Christians cannot pray in the Spirit because they don't even have the Spirit. You know, when people come to you and they say, oh, you pray for me, pray for this. And you're like going, well, how about you, you too? You ever said that to somebody? Oh, pray for me because you're a Christian. Well, you too. Why don't you? Why are you asking me to pray? You, what, you think there's something, you think that I got a relationship with God? Well, then why don't you, have, why don't you want one? You know, people do that to me because I'm a preacher. Hey, hey, get your church to pray for grandma. That's fine. But how about you knowing God? So you can pray for your grandma. How about that? How about if there is this power available, don't you want in? And, and that's, that's the idea. Some people, prayer is this thing you just fling at God. And he's supposed to respond because that's his job. But that's not true. You need the Holy Spirit. If you're not a Christian, then that's what you need. You don't just need prayer, you need Jesus. You have to be born again, and that is the only prayer that God receives from unbelievers. If you want to communicate with God, you've got to go through Jesus. That's just the whole point. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, There is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. You want to go talk to God, there's one mediator. Jesus. It's not Mary. It's not a saint. It's not a tree that you hug. It's not na the nature, mama nature. There's one mediator. There's one way to communicate with God, and that's through his son, Jesus Christ. That's it. It's pretty important. There's no other way. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that God that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. So you have to have Jesus and you get Jesus by faith. John 14.6 says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. So if you want to pray and you're interested in praying in the Spirit and you're interested in saying, hey, they're talking about prayer today. I'd like to know. I'd like to get God on my side. I got a test coming up. Or I've got some debt. Or I'm sick. I think I'll go to church, see if I can get God on my side. I'll put a bunch of money in the bucket today. See if I can get something returned. Isn't it? Doesn't God reciprocate? Like, is that how it works? You can only pray through Jesus. And therefore, the prayer of conversion is the one prayer and the first prayer that God hears for the dead and lost sinner. I don't know if you know you're dead, but if you're not a Christian, you're dead. And I couldn't live until I figured out I was dead. I really couldn't. I couldn't, I didn't know I needed to come to life. I thought I'm a pretty good person. I go to church as long as my family goes. I did that for a while until my parents got divorced and we just stopped the whole thing. But my early experience was I, I got a Bible. My grandmother gave me a Bible. It was a green, old green living Bible. I remember it. And um, we go to church some and sometimes it's okay. I'm not against God. I didn't know I was dead. 
And God showed me that I was dead. I was spiritually dead. I was dead to the things of God. I was alive to the world, but I needed, he said that I needed to die. I needed to, I needed to die and say, Lord God, I, I surrender and I fall before you. And the Bible says, if you want to live, you got to die. And so I had to put to death my self-will, my self-desire and surrender to God. So a prayer, the first prayer you need to offer is for God to have mercy and save you. And yet, here's the interesting thing. Yet even that prayer is inspired by and attributed to God as the Holy Spirit awakens the soul and enlightens the mind and raises the dead. So salvation from beginning to end is a work of God and He alone gets the glory. So my first prayer is a prayer for salvation. And, but the funny thing is, or the interesting thing is, is that the Holy Spirit was already working that even made me want to do that. It's like He's already working. So it's like He gets all the glory, right? He gets, I don't go, Lord God, remember, I started this thing. Yeah, who's going to say that? That's what some people seem to imply. It's like, well, Lord, I, you know, I called out to you. You were dead. How are you going to call out to me if you're dead? Don't you realize that I breathed life into you, enabling you to call out? And then it's like, well, holy smoke, I guess you do get all the glory from beginning to end. Okay, thus all my prayers must be in the Spirit. And even my first prayer, when the Spirit of God regenerated me, enabling me to cry, Abba, Father, have mercy on me. I believe in your Son and take Him to be my Savior and King. So if you want to pray in the Spirit, then you first call upon the Lord for salvation. I, I, I thought about this and I hope no one, I don't want anyone to think that I'm being kind of irreverent in this thing, but I was thinking this, there's a certain sense and it's kind of like a knock-knock joke. Um, you know those jokes that little boys and girls love and they're, they're pretty funny. Some of them are pretty funny. Um, but we kind of go knock, knock, who's there? And then there's some kind of funny answer or little play on words and it's kind of fun. Um, but some people treat prayer, prayer like that. And they think that God is like, knock, knock, who's there? Um, Buddha. And God's not opening that door. Knock, knock, who's there? Um, Joseph Smith. He's the guy who started Mormonism. And a lot of Mormons think if they say, Joseph Smith. Or some people think, knock, knock, who's there? The President of the United States. That doesn't open, that doesn't open the door to heaven. Oh, it's Muhammad. New Age. Or someone says, God says, who's there? And he says, well, hey, it's me. I'm a religious teacher. Or I'm in a real mess and I heard you might be able to help me. Knock, knock. Remember me? I was christened as a baby. So? Some think that they just, you have to use the password and the password's like, if you say the Lord's Prayer, that'll do it. That'll open the door. Just say magical phrase. Like I heard I was at church once and they said, if you say in Jesus' name, you'll get what you want. Or here's a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. It's worked for centuries. Or go to the priest and you know that little closet that he sits in and you're on the other side to the um, lattice work and he's got a direct line with the man upstairs and he can make things happen. Or this Sunday, drop a huge check in the offering plate and surely God will heal your child. 
Or wrap this leather strap around your arm and tie this little tiny box on your forehead. It looks silly, but somehow God likes it. Or touch the mezuzah hanging on the doorway as you walk into a room. Or pray at the western wall. That is it. If you can just get to the western wall. Wait, first, sorry, baptize in the Jordan River and then go directly to the western wall and pray and write it on a prayer and put it in a little crack in the wall. It's got to be answered. And we say, knock, knock, and God says, who's there? And here's what God wants to hear. It's me, Lord. And I come in the name of Jesus, my Lord and Savior, in whom is all my hope and trust. And God says, yes, He is my Son. What may I do for you? You see the difference? That's praying in the Spirit. That's the spirit in which God answers prayers. So when we come in the name of His Son for the glory of His Son, based on what His Son did for us, not what we have to offer. So Christians, here's another thing. Christians do not always pray in the Spirit. Christians pray many fleshly prayers. And the reason much praying of Christians is weak and does not move God to action is that Christians often use prayer. Christians often use prayer for their own purposes or pray for things that are only of this world or do not get their hearts and spirits properly aligned with His will and the purposes of God. Fleshly prayers of Christians are any prayers that are not inspired of God or have not yet been filtered through the grid of God's Word and God's will. We often come with fleshly requests, but that is why we come to seek God's will and ask God to reform our desires and to seek His infinite wisdom. So when we pray, we're supposed to pray knowing that we come. In other words, I don't expect... I don't want to be the same when I spend time with God as when I entered. I'm coming in and saying, Lord God, I'm entering and I'm, I might be a little bit sideways on what I'm supposed to pray. And we come and then we seek God when we get there. It's not like I have my mind made up and I'm going to ask you for my business. God, I'm here to barter with you. I'll do this if you'll do that. No, what we do is we like saying, Lord God, I'm conflicted. I'm coming into your presence and I really want this and it feels like the right thing to do and it seems to honor you, but I'm just going to lay this before you. Will you help me work through this so I can align with you? I can submit my will to you. And that's where we begin to pray and that's where we call upon God to work and move. Getting to alignment start with God starts like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's alignment. That's Matthew 6. That's alignment. Prayer that puts us into alignment with God sounds like this. My soul is sorrowful even to death. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but your will be done. That was Jesus praying in the garden. Prayer in the Spirit and aligning with the purposes of God looks like Samson in Judges, surrendering his will to carry out one final mission for God. And Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord, please remember me and strengthen me only this once. O God, let me die with the Philistines. 
And remember, he pushed the pillars down. He said, Lord God, I'm ready. I'm willing to die if that will bring you glory and honor. And he pushed. God strengthened him and answered his prayer. And he pushed the pillars of the great temple of Dagon. And it crumbled and crashed and 3,000 of the enemies of a God-mocking enemies died. And he got himself in the will of God. Completely surrendered. Aligning with God's perfect will was what Paul did in Acts 21.13 when a prophet named Agabus came and prophesied that Paul would be bound and arrested in Jerusalem. And therefore it says, when they heard Agabus the prophet said, hey, don't go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound. I had a vision that you'll be bound. And it says the people urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. And Paul answered, now think about it. A prophet has declared what's going to happen. The people are pleading with him not to go. But Paul was so aligned with God's will. Listen to what he said. What are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. So Paul showed them that even if it meant his life, he was willing to carry out the purposes of God. And he said, don't break my heart by suggesting that I not carry out God's will. I am committed and I will go. Pray for me, fine, yes, but I'm going to go do the will of God. And so that's how you get in the Spirit. So when you get in alignment with the will of God, how do you do it? How do you use the weapon of praying in the Spirit? And when you have the belt of truth and the sword of the Spirit and all these pieces of armor, how do you finally align? Well, I want to mention a couple of passages. Psalm 51 is an alignment chapter. It's the chapter that David prayed in Psalm 51 after he committed great sin against God. And he had to completely realign his life. And he had, in order to do it, he had to fall on his face before God and confess what a horrible thing he had done in sin. So he had to repent, confess sin, and then plead with God. He said, oh God, please don't take your spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Is that anyone here today? Are you out of alignment because there's some unconfessed sin in your life? Large or small? And today when we come to communion, that's one of the first things you need to do before you can celebrate fellowship with God. you got to get rid of anything that's hindering that fellowship with God. And so I want to ask you, in, a, in keeping with Psalm 51, is there something in your heart that you need to pray before you come and partake of the Lord's Supper? And then we have Romans 8. The whole chapter is so spirit-filled. And in Romans 7, you have Paul so in agony because he can't always do the will of God. In Romans 7, Paul is saying, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of flesh? In Romans 7, Paul says, I can't believe I'm doing the thing I don't want to do and the thing I want to do I'm not doing. He's wrestling with God and in Romans 8 
he says, but then I, here's what it means to walk in the Spirit of God. In Romans 7, he's saying, my flesh is like getting all under me. And in Romans 8, he says, but then there is the Spirit, and I'm a child of God, and I can pray, Abba, Father. And God understands my prayers so much. And this is one of the passages that people turn to when they're explaining what does it mean to pray in the Spirit of God and a prayer language. But in Romans 8, it says, I groaned and couldn't even think of the right words, but the Spirit of God understood my, my inner language. And I prayed in agony. I didn't even have words that were appropriate. And I cried out to God. So that's the second thing. The first thing is get rid of any sin. If you want to pray in the Spirit, you've got to get rid of the sin. In Romans chapter 2, if you, in Romans chapter 8, if you want to pray in the Spirit, then you've got to get in the Spirit, the Spirit that's in you, crying, Abba, Father. And you just lay there and you say, Lord God, over here in Romans 7, I have these struggles. But in Romans 8, you've, I have the indwelling of the Spirit of God. I am a child of God and the Spirit of God is in me, crying, Abba, Father. I am, I have the Holy Spirit. I just want to... Um, be in communion with the Spirit. And then I'm going to mention Galatians chapter 5 and we have this passage in Galatians 5 where it says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so what you're going to have to do if you want to pray in the Spirit, you're going to have to declare, you're going to have to make a declaration of war against your flesh. Because it says your flesh is strong and anyone feel the pull of the flesh? Anyone have things that are very attractive to you but not very good for you? Any of you know what it is? That power of the Spirit and the devil knows what pleases your flesh and he just ever dancing things in front of you and you fall to it. And so if you want to walk, if you want to learn to pray in the Spirit, you've got to learn to walk by the Spirit, which is a declaration of war against the flesh. And you're going to say, Lord God, i got some bad attitude problems. I keep falling into sin with pornography. I, I got drunk again or I got high or I'm just holding on to this anger and resentment. So when I come into the house of God, I want to worship you. When I go into my room to pray, I want to pray to you. But I have this thing that is so powerful and my flesh is keeping me from being able to enter into that spiritual realm and pray like I know I want to. And then another passage that's going to help you is John 15, which is referred to as abiding in Christ, which means you're ever coming close to Christ. Abiding in Christ means you walk with Him. And so you're going to have to stay close to God. If you want to know what it is to walk in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit, then you're going to need to do that. So I, the Bible says that only when we abide in the vine and we have to stay close and we can't find ourselves branching out, we have to stay close. And so that's what the Lord's Supper is about, all of this. The Lord's Supper is called communion. And the word communion means fellowship. And in order to have fellowship with God, if you have fellowship with God, then that's how you pray in the Spirit. And God says in communion, He says, let's do business. You realize that's what the communion table is? Some people view the communion table as, oh, I'll get a blessing on my head. Oh, do bless it. I get a blessing on my head. That's how they view it. They're like, come in there and get the cup of blessing. Just do this and your life will be better. It's an invitation to meet with God. 
And that invitation was purchased for you by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is not for you to get some little token blessing from church. It's not like doing this before you hit the baseball or strike out. It's about meeting with the living God who spilled His blood for you and His body was crushed for you. That's the picture. And if you want to know what it is to pray in the Spirit, it's to be in communion with God. And that's what this is a picture of. And what this, in order to do this, what you have to do is first be born again. So if you're not a Christian, then my, my charge to you this morning is, today is the day that you surrender your heart to Jesus Christ. Because you can't have fellowship with God and commune with God and you ought not partake in communion if you haven't even declared yourself a sinner saved by grace. You're trusting in Jesus Christ. So that's the beginning point. But if you are a sinner saved by grace, then God says, okay, when you come to me, there's a few things we need to talk about. And those are the things that He lays on your heart when you're sitting there today. Lord, what... What do, you, what do you need to change in my life? What, is my, what are my struggles? I just, please God, help me overcome lust. Please God, my anger is destroying relationships. This bitterness, I carry this bitterness and I just can't get rid of it and it's so painful. Or God, I'm actually angry at you because... I don't like something that you did in my life and ultimately I blame you and I can't let it go. I just carry it and it's just reshaped my life. Please, God, I just come before you and meet the deepest needs of my soul. What are they, Lord? And so as we now come to communion, I want you to think about how, what does God want you to do as you draw close to Him? If you're not a Christian, just simply tell the Lord, Lord, I want you. I want you in my life and my heart. And if you're a Christian, then I want you to think about, Lord God, is there anything that's disrupting our fellowship? And I just want to lay it on the table. And then I want to come and pronounce that the life and death of Jesus Christ are sufficient to cover all of my sins. That's what this table is telling you. That the blood of Jesus and His death on the cross covers and so you're coming to reclaim the victory of Christ over your sins and so we're going to um, pray and then we're going to have a song and uh, we're going to be a little delay for you just to pray and begin making your way forward and those people who are going to be helping with the elements we have um, two options I believe all the bread is gluten free is that right all the bread is gluten-free, but if you prefer the um, contained wafer than, and uh, juice, it's there as well. So we're going to pray now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your power and glory and goodness. And Lord, we want to walk in the Spirit. And right now, we just want to make sure that things are good between us. So will you do some healing and some searching in our hearts right now, O oh God? And will you help us to get, it, get anything out? Maybe we're struggling and we haven't care of our life. Maybe we're not fully surrendered, God. And that's why our prayers are still not powerful and effective is because we're still walking in too much flesh. So please help us today, God. We want to fully surrender to you on the basis of your life, death, and resurrection which are represented and the elements of communion. 
that in the bread, we remember your body sacrificed for us. And in the cup, we remember your blood shed for us. And in those two, your death was poured out. And then you went to the cross, you went into the tomb, and you rose on the third day victorious. And that is the basis of our fellowship with you. And we want to celebrate that. And we want to have deep communion with you even now in Jesus' name. I think it is so sweet. 